me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? We decapitate and we do business with whatever's left. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then, hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, we get to go back to the Halloween room. We only use it once a year. I don't like it to go to waste, but once a year is enough. So we're going to the Halloween room. Because the Halloween room is the only place we can go to talk about the horror movies that I hate. And that's what we're talking about today. Okay, I can't really say that I hate, hate Halloween movies or horror movies, but they're not my favorite. If you've watched my Twitch stream, you know that I don't like the scary games. Not really. You know that I don't like the horror movies. Not really. I don't mind suspense. I don't mind thrillers. I don't mind some blood and gore, but I'm not a really big fan. But before we dig into this, we got to get to the Halloween room. So let's go. Oh, yeah, I forgot how big this place is. You forget. I mean, coming in once a year does help the cobweb build up, that's for sure. All right, here we go. Let's get our Halloween chair ready. We're going to settle in, talk some Halloween movies. But before we do that, we've got to set the background, right? You got to have the right atmosphere if you're going to talk Halloween movies. This is still one of my favorites. Can we use it? Let me see. It's really good. It's so good. I mean, I really love this. But the problem is I'll be sitting here looking over my shoulder, waiting for somebody to knife me. So maybe we won't use that one this time. You know, when you're talking about horror movies, you just need a little subtle background noise. Really set the mood. Just that subtle little something. That's all you need. So we're going to talk about horror movies, and we're also going to talk about horror movie tropes. You know me and my tropes. If they overuse the crap out of something, it really annoys me. So we're going to talk about some horror movie tropes as well. Now, whether you want to call them Halloween movies, horror movies, scary movies, whatever you want to call them, there are several genres of horror movies, and some I like better than others. And some I just won't watch. I don't like them. And as usual, I did my research. I tried to break these down because I can think of movies that I really don't like off the top of my head just on principle because they're just too disturbing to me. You know, something like Saw or Hostel. Those are just really not worth my time. I just won't watch them. I know what they're about. I don't like them. They freak me out. They bother me. I know that there are huge fans of those movies, including Mrs. Gamer Dude and Gamer Dude Daughter. Despite that, I love them both. But I can't watch those movies. They just bother me. Meanwhile, Mrs. Gamerdude is there. Show the eye, show the eye. And I'm crawling under my seat. But some people love that. So that's one whole area of movies that I just can't watch. And in doing my research, I guess those would be categorized as gore or disturbing. They're just nasty movies. They have torture. They have blood splatter everywhere. Sometimes you'll get your cannibals in there. I just don't like any of that. I think it goes back to the lack of control you have in that kind of a setting. I mean, it freaks me out to think of myself in that kind of a situation. 
so I don't like to see other people in that situation. Plus, it really bothers me that there are people who would willingly do that kind of thing to other people that's depicted in those movies. That scares me, too. It bothers me that there's people who think that way, so I don't need to see movies about it. Movies for me are more escapism. I like to use them to take a trip to a place that I like to be, not a horror dungeon that I never want to see. So that's probably why I don't like those movies. But there are other genres as well. At the other end of the spectrum, I guess we'll call it the paranormal category. That's where you're talking about ghosts and spirits and demons and devils. I don't mind the paranormal movies. Not too, too much. I mean, some of them are worse than others. You've got ghosts in Poltergeist. I could deal with Poltergeist, the original one. It still freaked me out, but ghosts are okay. I can deal with ghosts. Haunted Houses, the Amityville Horror. It still bothered me, but it didn't bother me like the gore. You've got the exorcist in there. You've got the evil dead in there. I guess you can include paranormal powers, carry. That's all paranormal stuff. I kind of get into that stuff a little bit. Still not my favorite genre, but I can deal with paranormal. Going back the other direction, killer movies, you got your slashers and Freddy Krueger, Friday the 13th, Halloween, not a big fan of those. You got your killers in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that bothers me. The Hills Have Eyes, that bothers me. Kind of along that same path are those home invasion movies, I don't like those either. Again, we're going back to that lack of control thing. The fact that people think that way really bothers me, so I don't really want to see movies about it. You've also got the psychological horror movies. Now, Psycho, in my opinion, is a classic psychological horror movie. It's a much slower-paced movie than we're used to these days, but there's some really deep psychological problems in that one. But the psychological aspects about being buried alive, for instance, or being stranded out at sea, I can deal with those kind of horror movies. They're not my favorite, but I can deal with them. So I don't mind psychological horror, especially if it's well done. Psycho was really well done. Kinda freaky, kinda scary. The suspense is really worth the wait. For me. By today's standards, the original Psycho is very slow-paced. No real bloodshed. But the suspense in there. The thrills in there. That's what I live for in that kind of movie. And then the other genre that you can talk about is the monster genre. These are the movies that I grew up with a lot. Your basic werewolf, Frankenstein, mummy, Dracula. Those are the monster movies that I grew up with. And just the idea of a monster out there, that's scary enough. Then you've got the big monsters like Godzilla, and the science fiction monsters like The Thing or Alien. Now there's a classic monster movie. And I guess you have to include the zombie movies as monster movies too, because they're really monsters. I mean, they could be undead like The Night of the Living Dead. They could be caused by some pandemic like 28 Days Later or Resident Evil. But they're basically zombies that are out of control. They count as monsters too, but they're like a whole subgenre of monster movies. I don't mind some of the monster movies. I remember watching Night of the Living Dead when I was much younger. My brother and I were watching it. It was on late one night, and it was freaky. Now, this is the original one, George Romero, the 1966 or 67 version of it. We were watching it late one night. The only way we got through it was by cracking wise about it all the way through. I don't remember any of the jokes we told, but we joked with each other so we could both sit there and watch it without freaking out. Because it was freaky. It was a freaky movie. And that's how I watch a lot of these movies when I do watch them with Mrs. Gamer Dude. I put my stupid little dad jokes out there, mostly to relieve my tension. Because the monster movies, the horror movies, the scary movies, they really bother me. 
Now, I've sat down to try to figure it out, as I mentioned earlier. I think it has something to do with control, the fear of the unknown, the fear of other people being horrible people, the fear of monsters attacking me. I mean, is there really a Dracula out there? If you remember my episode about superstitions, I do keep garlic in the house for a reason. It's good for cooking, but it's also good for vampires. Could there be zombies out there? I don't know. We're in the middle of a pandemic. I guess anything could happen. Who would have thought? Now, are we going to see Frankenstein strolling down the street? Probably not. Are we going to see Godzilla rising out of the ocean? Probably not. Could we see a sci-fi alien like Alien or The Thing? Hmm, I don't know. That's the thing that scares me. So of all of these genres, I've seen a few movies in almost every category. Like, I've seen bits and pieces of Saw, just enough to know that I didn't want to see it. It just bothers me too, too much. I had heard enough about Halloween over the years. I'd heard enough about Friday the 13th over the years. I heard enough about Nightmare on Elm Street over the years. I knew I didn't want to see those killer horror movies. I saw the remake of Halloween. I actually did see the reboot of Nightmare on Elm Street. And they were okay, but I just didn't enjoy myself. It was one of those, all right, I'll go with you type of situations. And I don't mind doing that, but they wouldn't be my first choice. Some people crave these movies. They look forward to October every year. Can't wait to watch my scary movies. I mean, I'll watch them. Some of them. Not all of them. But if I'm going to sit down and watch one, it'll be like paranormal, supernatural, maybe some zombies, maybe some monsters. Like, I love Alien. And I love the sequel, Aliens. Those are both really good monster movies set in a sci-fi setting, but really well done. So they didn't bother me. The Thing, another great monster movie. You know, there's a pretty good vampire movie out there. The original Fright Night. I remember that one too. That was really well done. And the spooky houses? I don't mind the spooky houses. Poltergeist, Amityville Horror, those are good. The Exorcist, read the book, saw the movie, really well done. The Omen, read the book, saw the movie, a little slow-paced on the movie, but really well done. Carrie, so good. So I don't mind those. But I generally don't really get into the horror movies. And so I'll watch them to get into the holiday spirit. But for me, growing up, Halloween wasn't about the monsters and the scary stuff. I mean, it's a part of it. We liked our Frankensteins, we liked our Draculas, we liked our witches on brooms. They were all part of the decor. But for me, Halloween was about the candy. That's why I ranked the candy last year. That was the most important part about Halloween for me. Halloween was about going out, getting bags full of candy. Dressing up in a costume was fun, too. I didn't dress up in bloody costumes. I was a cowboy, a playing card, a little old man. I didn't get into the blood and gore. I got into the candy. So Halloween has always been about the food for me. The scary stuff, secondary. I don't like to be scared. I do like to eat. So I have my priorities. But... Even though I'm not a huge fan of the horror movies, I've seen enough of them to pick up on the tropes that are overused that make me crazy. And you'll probably recognize some of these too. So we're going to change it up, switch the background, talk tropes. The overarching trope for most horror movies for me is the fact that nine times out of ten, in my experience, they are what I like to call idiot plot movies. 
For me, an idiot plot movie is a movie where if everybody in the movie wasn't an idiot, there'd be no plot. If you're just dumb, and that's the only reason the movie works, then I have no time for the movie. I deal with enough stupid people in real life. I don't need to see stupid people do stupid things and get killed on screen because they're stupid. They may deserve it, but I don't need to see it. It's a waste of my time. So two of the tropes right off the bat that help advance an idiot plot are the abandoned place or the place where you're not supposed to go. Don't go there. Don't go to the empty house on the corner lot with the overgrown trees and vines all around it. Or don't go to the bell tower. Don't go to that basement. Don't go to the shed in the back. Stay away from there. Don't open that door. If people would just stay away, there wouldn't be a problem or a movie. A recent example of this is the movie we watched on our Saturday movie night in our Discord. We watched In the Tall Grass, which is on Netflix. It's based on a Stephen King story, of course. And the plot only starts moving when the two people in the car do the stupid thing. They go in a place they shouldn't go into. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you. I'm just going to tell you, if they weren't stupid, if they didn't go into the tall grass, not much of a spoiler there, it's in the title. But if they didn't go in there, there'd be no movie. So I hate that. The next trope is the know-it-all. There's always a guy, usually a guy, occasionally a girl, but usually a guy who knows it all. Mr. Smart Guy. We don't have to listen to the warnings. I know how this works. We don't have to read that book. I know what's going on. Oh, pay no attention to the screaming girl in the corner. I know what's going to happen. All we have to do is open this door here. You know that guy is A, dumb, and B, dead. He's going to die. I mean, we're gratified to see it happen, because who doesn't like to see the know-it-all get his just desserts? But still, he's in every movie. Do we have to have him in every movie? Now, a fixture in the paranormal movies, sometimes the killer movies, sometimes the monster movies. But in a lot of paranormal movies, you're going to have your vengeful spirit. Somebody who's been wrongly killed. Somebody who the fates have not been kind to. Hit by a train. Beaten to death by the bullies. Cast into a well. Whatever it is. The vengeful spirit is coming back to avenge themselves. Except, you know, the vengeful spirit has been around for 500 years. Have you not wreaked enough vengeance? After 500 years, you'd think they'd have obtained enough justice. Why are they going after people 500 years down the road? That's always bothered me. You've got your revenge. Okay, spirit, be gone. Another one from the paranormal movies. It's the little kid who doesn't realize his friend is a ghost or a vengeful spirit. The vengeful spirit or the ghost or whatever it is sucks the kid in, manipulates the kid. The kid doesn't realize he or she is being manipulated. It's just their friend who lives in the wall, or in the doll, or in the tree, or in the attic. The kid is the innocent pawn of the vengeful spirit. I mean, really, anytime you have a kid in the movie, you know what's going to happen. The other thing that gives away what's going to happen? Creepy music. Usually used in conjunction with a jump scare, which kind of defeats the purpose of the jump scare. And you know the jump scare we're talking about. Everybody's tiptoeing around, trying not to make any noise put their head around a corner and boom, there's a scary face. Ah! Or to set you up for later jump scares, they're tiptoeing around and something jumps on them from behind and it's the cat. Now for a very effective jump scare, number one, you don't want to overuse it. But number two, you don't want to foreshadow it with the creepy music. Too many times you have them tiptoeing down a hall and you have that little ominous beat in the background. Something creepy is about to happen. And then you get the jump scare. I mean, use one or the other. Don't use both. I've seen both used too often. And quite honestly, I've seen the jump scare way overused. Also overused, evil clowns. 
I'm not a fan of clowns anyway, but how many evil clowns have we seen over the years in the movies? Poltergeist, one of those movies that I mentioned from the paranormal genre. That stupid doll, which also, by the way, another trope, the evil doll. But the doll in Poltergeist was not only an evil doll, but an evil doll in the form of a clown. Oh my god, double up on the tropes. But yeah, evil clowns, horrible. I mean, we're supposed to like clowns, right? They're supposed to make us laugh, ha ha ha, at the circus. 27 clowns in a clown car? Isn't that hysterical? But there's something creepy about clowns. And everybody who makes horror movies knows it, but you can overuse a trope. And evil clowns, I'm done. I'm done with evil clowns. You're also gonna have in the horror movie the crazy girl or the crazy guy that no one believes. The hero or the heroine is being attacked by a spirit, attacked by a ghost, attacked by a leprechaun, attacked by something. But there's no evidence. We just have the word of the crazy girl or the crazy guy. And no one believes them. You might get a scar. You might get a bite mark. You might get a shred of cloth in a tree. But that's not enough. Everybody thinks you're crazy. It's all in your head. You're imagining it. You need to get some sleep. Nobody ever believes the crazy one. And of course, the crazy one is the only one who's right. How many times do we see that in the horror movies? Another one we see all of the time? Split everybody up. This is always the case in those killer slasher movies. You got a group of teenagers at the camp, in the hotel, in the school, wherever they are. Six people together and let's split up into groups of two. Because it's much easier for a group of two to handle a serial killer than it is a group of six. Everybody knows that. It's basic math. You know, of all of the tropes, this is probably the one that bothers me the most because it makes the least amount of sense of any of them. Six people together, why on earth would you ever split up? I mean, maybe if your escape route is a tunnel that only one person can crawl through at a time, okay, you can go one at a time. But other than that, why are you splitting up? Stop it. Now, here are a couple that are locked to particular rooms of the house. One is the kitchen, one is the bathroom. In the kitchen, you always have the refrigerator door thing. For some of you, that might be enough. Just for me to say the refrigerator door thing. You've checked out the entire house. Everything's quiet. Everything looks good. It's peaceful. There's no killer. There's no monsters. Everything looks good. So you go to the fridge for a snack, of course, because that's what you do. You open the fridge, and one of two things happens. Either there's a horrible, yicky, monstery, awful thing in the fridge, or... When you've reached in and pulled your snack out and you shut the fridge, there's the killer or the monster or the vengeful spirit you've been running from. Happens all the time. The other room is the bathroom. How many times is our hero or heroine in the bathroom washing their face, shaving, doing their hair, whatever? They bend down, rinse their face off, look up in the mirror, creepy monster in the mirror. They look around behind them, nothing's there. Look back in the mirror, nothing's there. Is it our imagination? Is there something really there? I don't know, but it's always there in the horror movies. Now, this trope has been around for a while. It's getting harder and harder to use as cell phone coverage gets better. But how many times have we seen our plucky heroes have no cell phone coverage? Okay, if you're in the hills have eyes, you're out in a desert somewhere, maybe you don't have cell phone coverage. But really, is there any other place in this country where there's no cell phone coverage? Maybe an elevator? Maybe the sub-sub-sub-basement of a skyscraper. But aside from that, you're not going to have no cell phone coverage. And yet, how many times do you see that? Okay, here's another one. You're in the rowboat at Camp Pleasant. You're on an ocean cruise and fall overboard. You're trying to swim across a deep river trying to escape the killer. And all of a sudden, it's the underwater foot grab. And you're pulled under. 
happens all the time. If the hero goes in the water, you know they're going to get grabbed. Something's going to get them. Okay, so now we've gone through all the tropes, we're getting close to the end of the movie. You know we're getting close. The dramatic music is building. We've killed off most of the six people who separated earlier on. There's only two or three of them left now. We're going to have a fight somewhere along the line. Somebody's going to have a weapon in their hands, a gun, a knife, a machete, something. We're going to have the encounter with the killer, the spirit, the monster, the ghost, whatever it is. And the weapon is going to get knocked away from our hero. And our hero is going to be trying to get it. The monster is going to be sitting on their back, smashing their head against the floor. And the weapon is going to be just out of reach. Just at the edge of their fingertips. They can't quite get there. And then with one final bash, boom, too late can't get the weapon. Actually, that usually happens to the second to last person because the last person is always going to be the shy girl from the beginning. You know, you had the know-it-all, you had the jock, you had the smart ass, and you had the shy girl that nobody was paying attention to, that nobody really believed. I thought I saw something. Ah, it's only her. We're not going to pay attention to her. She'll survive. She's the one who's surviving. She's the one who's getting out of the movie, but not without some problems. Because even if you're going to let one girl survive... She can't do it free of trouble. You know she's going to be running away from the killer, the spirit, the monster, whatever it is. And you know she's going to trip and fall on her way to wherever she's going. She's been walking fine all movie until it counts the most. Then all of a sudden, boom, down she goes. And she'll fall on an open road. It's not necessarily in the middle of the woods where there might be a route. She'll trip and fall over her own feet in the middle of the street. Which is another trope, by the way. Because she's always running down the middle of the street. I mean, it might make sense to go off into the woods and try to avoid the killer. But no, she's running down the middle of the street. Even if there's a car chasing her, which, by the way, if there's a car chasing you, maybe get off the street. Maybe get out of the lights. Maybe find some place to hide. No, no. We're going to run down the middle of the street and trip on the painted yellow line. But I guess we're running down the street so we can get to our car, which is parked in the parking lot down there by the bar where all this started. And we get to the car... And all of a sudden we realize we don't have the keys. Where are the keys? We don't have them. We forgot to get them out of the jock's dead body when we ran away from the hotel. We don't have keys for the car. The killer's walking down the street. He doesn't trip over the painted yellow line. He's much more nimble. And you're looking around for the keys. This is where we can pull one of the tropes from the regular movies. You flip down the sun visor and get the extra key from there. Okay, you got a key. Let's go. Start the car. Oh, wait, we're in a horror movie. Somehow the car doesn't start now. We just drove up six hours ago. It was absolutely fine. But with the killer coming towards us, now it doesn't start. What the hell? What's going on? How is that even possible? But that's what happens. It's a horror movie that happens. You bang your fist on the steering wheel. You stomp your foot on the floorboard. You scream, God, please help me. And the car magically starts. And our shy girl who's getting away drives over the killer and kills him, dragging his body five miles down to the next town. He's hanging off the back of the car. Everybody's relieved that she got away. Oh, thank God you're okay. And they go check out the back of the car, and the body's no longer there. Because he wasn't really dead. He wasn't really dead. The killer's alive somewhere. Why? How could that be? He was dragged five miles. Well, how are we going to have Slasher Killer Psycho 2 if we kill him off? That's why he's not dead. I mean, I know why they do it. It just makes me crazy that they do it. There's no end. Give me an end. But every once in a while, they will give you the end. Every once in a while, they'll show the grave of the killer. Just his name on a tombstone. John Doe, Psycho Slasher. With freshly turned earth there. Everything's pleasant, pastoral. Birds are chirping. Credits start to roll. The camera slowly zooms in on the tombstone. 
And then the hand comes up through the dirt. One final jump scare. We gotta do it. Gotta do it. That's what we do in horror movies. We gotta do it. Because if we don't keep our psycho killer slashers alive for the next seven sequels, how are we ever gonna make money? And I guess that's one of the other reasons that I don't like these psycho slasher killer movies. There's never an end. They just go on and on and on. I like my movies to have an ending. Is that so much to ask? So there you have it. Gamer Dude's take on horror movies. Some of them I hate. Some of them I can tolerate. Some of them are actually well done. And I'm not trying to take away anybody's enjoyment. It's just, if I have the chance to watch The Lord of the Rings again, or Poltergeist again, I'll pick Lord of the Rings, thank you. It's just me. Taste is subjective. I don't care if you love them. Enjoy them. I'll just go pop in my DVDs, thanks. You enjoy your Psycho Slasher Killers. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. As always, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate the fact that you spend so much time here. Your support means the world to me, and I can't thank you enough. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you. (laughs) 